0: Stay the same, aren't you glad? Take your Bible, John chapter eight. We're going to be in John's gospel um, again today. If you remember uh, the last two weeks, first week we we were in John eight. We were uh, dealing with that woman who was caught in adultery, brought to Jesus as he's teaching in the temple during the feast of tabernacles. His teaching is interrupted as these Pharisees bring this woman caught in adultery, and Jesus deals, of course, with her sin, and he deals with the sin, of course. Uh, of the Pharisees. He told her to go and sin no more, and he looked at the Pharisees and said, ye without sin cast the first stone. Of course, they walked away, and the woman life was changed, no doubt. Then right after that, Jesus declares himself the light of the world. He says to the darkness, I am the light. Now, he's been the light. He was always the light. Light existed way before this text. Light existed even before Genesis 1. Uh, he is the light. That is what God is. And uh, Jesus declared himself the light. And, and of course the Pharisees, they just had a hard time with uh, these words, of, of course. So we're still in this same text, but just the next verse. Look with me in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 39. Actually, I'm sorry, verse 31. John 8 and verse 31. The Bible says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Then answered him, We be of Abraham's seed, and we and and were never in bondage to any man. And let me stop right there. These are the Pharisees saying they'd never been in bondage to any man. They lived in bondage. If you go all the way back to Exodus. Even Genesis, you can find that Israel had been in bondage because of their sin. And they were in bondage the whole time. We just finished the book of Judges on Wednesday night. And all through Judges, they were constantly being captured and conquered. And they did that which was right in their own eyes at war. And the Philistines would have them. They were in Babylonian captivity for 400 years. I mean, they had been in bondage. But yet here, the Pharisees look at Jesus and they say, We've never been in bondage to any man. That goes to show they are delirious. All right, Verse 33, how sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Let me go back to verse 33. The very fact that the Pharisees are saying we've never been in bondage, they're actually in bondage at this time. They're under Roman authority. I could probably see as this conversation is going on, there's a Roman guard sitting there watching everything going on. But yet they are so delirious that they actually believe they've never been in bondage to any man. That goes to show you they're living in a fantasy world. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son son abideth ever If the son thereof, or therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would not do the works of Abraham. Or ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth. Which I have heard of God, this did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach for a few minutes this morning. Lord, my prayer today is that we will see the truth because the truth will make us free. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Basically, John chapter 8 verse 31 to John 8 verse 59 are about fathers and sons. There's actually three fathers mentioned in our text. The first father refers to these three fathers, and the first father is in reference to Abraham, the father of the faithful. We see him actually mentioned in verse number 38. He is the father of the Jews. He is that one that we call Father Abraham, father of the faithful. So he's referred to in our text. Then Jesus speaks to these religious folks, he tells them that they are of their father, the devil, in verse 44. And then we see that he speaks of his father, God the Father, and, and we see the relationship between God the Son and God the Father in this text. These, these about 25 verses. Now, I won't cover all 25 today, but that's literally the conversation that they're having. It's a father-son relationship. And I, I want to preach with God's help this morning on like father. Like son, because in verse 29 of John 8, notice what Jesus was about doing. He says, And he sent me, he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. This was what Jesus was about doing. Jesus was about pleasing his heavenly Father. And then go with me in verse number, I believe it's verse number 49 of of John 8. Notice what he says. Jesus answered, I have not a devil, though they accused him of that. He said, I have not a devil, but I honor my Father. So he goes from pleasing the Father, which is what he's about, pleasing the Father, to now honoring his Father. Jesus was wanting to please the Heavenly Father. He he spoke to the Father. He prayed to the Father. He was down here uh, to please the Father and to honor the Father in John 8, 29 and John eight forty nine, And let me just say this, it's haunting to disappoint your earthly father. It's a troubling thing to hear a father look at a son and say, I'm disappointed in you. I, I tried to, in my best memory, as I was penning some of these words, I was trying to think, did my father ever look at me in my childhood and in my teen years and say, I'm disappointed in you. I could never remember a time... That I heard my father say to me, Son, I'm disappointed in you. But let me say this. There were times that my dad was disappointed in me. He didn't have to say it. I could see it on his face. I could see it in his actions. I could see it in the way he just looked. I could see in the way he shrugged. I could see in the way that he walked away. He was disappointed in my actions. Especially... Probably in my teen years when I chose to do some things that was contrary to the Word of God and contrary to the things of God. I'm sure my dad was disappointed in those things. Can I say that even beyond our earthly father, it's it's something when we disappoint our heavenly father. Jesus was one that pleased the father. He was one that honored his father. I don't know about you, but I love the Andy Griffith show. Don't you? Can I get a witness? Andy Griffith, one of the most... I guess you could say one of the only things left on TV decent to watch. I was watching the uh, Andy Griffith show and Andy thought Opie had been selfish. You've seen this episode, it's a famous episode. Thought he'd been selfish for not giving to a children's home. He kind of scolded Opie. Matter of fact, he, he told Opie, he said, Opie, I'm disappointed in you. But little did he know that Opie had actually bought a coat for a girl and spent all of his money. When Andy looked at Opie, not knowing that he had bought that coat for for this girl because he had compassion on her and cared for her, it looked like Opie had gotten a gut punch. His dad said, Opie, I'm disappointed in you. And I, I often think how disappointed the Lord sometimes must look down at us and How we break His heart and our lack of faith. Maybe a thought that goes through our mind. Maybe a word that comes out of our mouth. Maybe it's just our apathy. Maybe it's just uh, our coldness toward the things of God. And it breaks God's heart. The Heavenly Father. Every day, you and I displease our heavenly Father in some way and and not that we're trying and and not that we we, we really want to break god's heart, but sometimes it's just out of sight out of mind we we do and we ga- give to the flesh, and we we cave in, and I wish it were not so, but it is so and in this passage, like no other Jesus cuts through the veneers, cuts through the heart, and gets down to the problem, and the problem is the heart and concerning, and I'm going to be very direct this morning, but very brief, because our text is very direct. He gets to the genuine heart of salvation. I'll tell you what, and I'll show you in the text what I mean by that. Let me straighten this out for you. Look in verse number 37. John chapter 8 and verse number 37. I know that ye are Abraham's seed. But ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Now, the first part of that is absolutely true. Jesus said that it's true that y'all are are, are from the physical descendants of Abraham and, and part of that covenant people. You are the Jewish people, the apple of God's eyes. You are His children. But just because that is true, it doesn't make them children of God. They may be descendants of Abraham. They may be children of Abraham, but they're not children of God. See, these Jews that Jesus is dealing with in John 8, they were very proud of their heritage. And as descendants of Abraham, they were convinced that their eternal destiny was determined by Abraham's descendants. Here's what stung the Jews about Jesus' preaching. Jesus said... That a Jew belonging to the family of Abraham could at the same time be a child of the devil. That blew their mind. They could not grasp that. But remember that Abraham had taken to himself a slave girl by the name of Hagar. And and she had born Ishmael. and, And this indisputably was the seed of Abraham. But she was not or he was not of the son of promise. Matter of fact, if you were to go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 2, I think it's verses 28 and 29, you can read that. Romans chapter 9 mentions that. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 11, Paul says that Abraham was the father of all those who believed. These Jews here that Jesus is dealing with and in John 8, these particular Jews did not believe. Church folks today have something in common with these Jews in John 8. Folks in church today, especially in the Bible Belt, if it still exists. Those of you that move here from out of state, uh, maybe out from uh, from the Midwest, or you've come here from the North and you love the South. And I love the South. I, I travel a lot. And I love coming back home to the South. And there's really nothing like Southern hospitality, though it is dwindling. The Bible Belt has become more faint and more faint and more faint. And if there is such a thing as the Bible Belt that still exists today, we are in the buckle of the Bible Belt. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, if you ever try to go out and witness to somebody, most of the South is saved. Hey, tell me, are you going to heaven? Sure, I'm going to heaven. Well, how how are you going to heaven? Do do, do you know uh, that you're going to heaven? Sure, I know I'm going to heaven. My granddad was a pastor. My uncle started the church. And my mama was the president of the Women's Missionary Society. I mean, that is on the lip. You say, we we laugh about that, but there's actually people out here, lots of people out here, especially in this area of the country, who, who believe that their heritage is good enough to get them to heaven. That's exactly what Jesus is dealing with here in John 8. Can there be anything worse than to think that you have served Jesus Christ through your whole entire life and then hear Jesus, as He does in Matthew chapter 7, say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Can I just say this? The first thing is they thought they were saved because of their heritage. Because of their heritage. Church may I beg of you this morning. I'm thankful that I'm a part of the church that I'm in. I'm thankful that I'm a part of of the, 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 the brethren here and the sisters here. That I call you my brother in Christ and my sisters in Christ. I'm thankful that we can come together on Sundays and worship. I'm thankful that, but you understand, just because we are a part of something special here called the Bible Baptist Church does not mean that you're automatically engrafted into heaven. If you don't have a testimony, If you don't have a story of salvation, a personal testimony, then my friend, you need to get one today. You cannot go off of mama's religion and daddy's religion and granddad's religion and and my grandma's religion. It has to be your very own salvation. I've got a very rich heritage. I thank the Lord that my dad is even preaching right now. As I'm preaching, he's preaching right now and has been for 42 years. I'm thankful this is all I've ever known. I'm thankful for the mom and dad that God gave me. But somewhere along the way, I had to get it for myself. I told you my testimony a few weeks ago, how I was saved at 13 years of age. I was not saved out of a life of sin, if you will. I wasn't saved out of a life of prodigal uh, waywardness. I wasn't saved out of drunkenness and drug addiction and all those. I was saved out of religion. Went to Christian school my whole life. Went to Bible college. Heard all the lingo. Could tell you... Things about doctrines. I could preach messages at 16 years old. I could preach a message at 10 years old if I wanted to. I'd heard great preachers. I'd I'd sat across the table with Billy Kelly and Mays Jackson and and, and John R Rice and I've, I've I've ate meals with Curtis Hudson and heard uh, uh, B R Lakin and, in when I was a, a, a little baby. I, I heard the great preachers Lee Robertson and and uh, uh, anybody. I mean. You name them, and and it wasn't that, oh yeah, I heard them faintly. No, 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 they were in my home. They they sat across the table. I was raised in a wonderful way, in a godly heritage. Now those names may not mean anything to you, but, but they certainly meant something to my heritage. These were good men. These were faithful men. But can I tell you something? Even being that close to some wonderful men, was not salvation the heritage that I have, and the heritage that these men were saying, "Hey, we're Abraham's descendants. Who do you think you are? We're Abraham's descendants. I mean, we're in the direct lineage of Abraham. How dare you tell us that we need to do something else?" And Jesus did not only tell them, but He said, "You're the your father is not Abraham. Your father's the devil." I wonder how they felt about that. I want you to notice something else. Look with me in verse 33 of John 8. They answered him, saying, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Look at verse 37. And I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me because my word hath no place in you. Look at verse 39. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We be not born of a a fornication. You know what they they were basically accusing Jesus of fornication. Being born of of an adulterer. Matter of fact, this was an insult to Jesus. Anytime in Jewish custom, when you, when you, uh, when you asked or questioned a man's lineage, it was an insult. And they said, hey, we're, we're born of Abraham. We've got very good genes. We're not born of fornication. We're, we're not messed up. We're not tainted. Here's what I want to bring to you this morning. Here, the second thing is this. They thought they were saved, but they manifested the works of the devil. That's a dangerous thing. They thought they were saved, but they manifested the works of the devil. Look at verse 41. Why do ye not understand my speech, even because ye cannot hear my word? Ye are of your father the devil, verse 44. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. Many of you in here today need to memorize this scripture because the devil's been lying to you. He can get us to believe lies. And remember that there's three words in verse 44. Look at, these, look at verse 44 with me if you would. There's three words that I'm interested in. Mark these three words in your Bible if you can. If you do that, mark these words. The first word is the word lust. The second word is the word murderer. And the third word is the word liar. Now, lust here is the lust or desire. This is what that means. It's a desire. Satan's desire was to dethrone God and put himself on the throne. We see that. He he, he lusts after the position. We see uh, here he puts desires before God's desires. We see the murderer from the beginning. This is what Jesus calls him, a murderer. Satan was not merely trying to deceive Eve to promote rebellion against God. In Genesis 3, though he was attempting that, Satan knew that if he could get Adam and Eve to sin, that death would come upon all men. Death. What's associated with death? Murder. Jesus said Satan is a murderer. He lusts, and then guess what else he says? Satan is a liar. He's a liar by nature. You lie. Lying is his very nature. That's who he is. Jesus, on the other hand, he always does that which pleases the Father. Jesus gives life. He's not a murderer. He's the opposite of that. He gives life. He is the truth. And you can tell who your Father is by looking at your works. So look in the mirror. Look in the mirror of God's Word. Who do you associate with? Who is your father? I say this, like father, like son. Often the traits that I possess in my adulthood, my 16, almost 17 year old son is going to follow in the footsteps of his father and he will try to step in those shoes and he'll try to mimic, I hope, some of the good things. He'll try to mimic some things. And if I'm walking to Jesus, there's a good chance that my son will follow in those steps and walk to Jesus behind me. My grandpa was a drunk. He, he finally got saved. Probably his last 20 years of his life, he lived for Jesus. But those first 70 years was terrible. My grandpa was drinking really bad. He'd leave for days. Um, Nobody knew where he was. He was beyond an alcoholic. He was an abuser. My uncle Mark, who died last October of fentanyl poison, my dad's brother, we've had sin ravaged our family, he followed the footsteps of my granddad literally. Literally. My granddad would go out to a barn in West Virginia behind the house and he had his liquor in his barn. It would be snowing. He thought he was getting away with it there at first. He told Grandma he had quit. He'd go out there and you could see, Grandma said you could see his footprints headed to that barn and she knew what he was doing. And she said she'd look and see my dad's baby brother walking in those footprints You know what he did when he grew up? He kept walking. And though my grandpa got saved and got delivered from a life of alcoholism, my Uncle Mark never was delivered. The sins of the father. Some of you in here this morning say your father is God, but your works do not reveal. It says other. I told you this would be direct. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. You said your father's Abraham. Abraham wasn't a murderer. Abraham loved God. He feared God. He was a man of faith. But here you are seeking to kill the Messiah and you say that, you are, that you're the, the child of, of, of Abraham. How in the world can you be the child of Abraham when you seek to kill me for telling you the truth? Your works will reveal who your daddy is. Your works will reveal who your Father is. Earthly, I want to walk toward Jesus. I want to walk toward the truth. I want to walk toward the Spirit-filled life. I want to, I want to walk to these things because I have a son. Now I've got a, another son. Uh, and so I'm going to keep walking. And I want them to keep trying to put their feet in those... And I want them to keep walking that way. Why? Because maybe one day it will click with them. Hey, Daddy walked this way and my Grandpa... Uh, Their grandpa walked that way, and guess what? Maybe it's good for them, and it's good for me. I want that for my earthly father, but I also want that for my heavenly father. Let me say this, and the third thing, this is the final thing. Very direct message. Jesus was very to the point with these religious Jews. The third thing is this. Real, genuine, saving faith is more than one's profession. It is also one's practice. Look with me in verse 31 of John 8. Then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If ye continue, notice that, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples in deeds. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look at verse 34. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Notice verse 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So here's what I believe Jesus is trying to say. True belief will stand the test of time. It will make you free. Some maybe heard a a preacher, a touching story, an illustration by a preacher. And maybe, maybe that preacher was telling a touching illustration and And maybe he was being a little forceful that morning, I'm not sure. And you stepped out and you came down and you prayed a prayer and and maybe you were broken by the emotion, I'm not sure. You've made a profession of faith and I'm thankful, if that's the case, your testimony. I'm thankful for each testimony, they're all different. But it better be more than just an emotional tug of the heart. I remember years ago, my dad gave me a name of a man. When I was in North Carolina, I was an assistant pastor there for 14 years. My dad gave me a a name of a man. He said, I want you to go witness to this man. So I said, sure. So on a Thursday night, I grabbed a guy to go with me from the church. I said, hey, we're going to go make a visit to this man. His name was Bob. He was an older man, had a brother named Bill. Bob gave me permission to hunt on his property. So I knew Bob a little bit, and he said, yeah, you can deer hunt back here. He had about 30 acres and uh, so I knew Bob a little bit, so I knocked on his door. Bob opened the door, and he said, well, Steve, how are you doing? I said, good, Bob. And he said, hi. He said, did you, did you have some success in the woods? I said, well, uh, not really. I said, Bob, I've just I, that's not why I'm here. He said, okay. Well, he said, come on in. He lived by himself, older man. Wife had passed away years earlier. His brother was burdened for him. His brother gave the name to my dad, and my dad gave it to me. He said, Bob is lost. I sat on the couch and I asked Bob, I said, Bob, uh, I'm just going to be very transparent with you. Your brother is concerned about your salvation. So is our church. So am I. I wouldn't be here. I said, Bob, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? He said, no. I said, would you like to? He said, yeah. I said, Bob, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and shed His blood for you and Loves you and wants you to go to heaven when you die, and he rose again from the third grave, the third day, and that he's from uh, from heaven, and he he's uh, he's on the right hand of the Father. Do you believe this? That he's the Son of God. Do you believe that he died for your sin? Yeah. I said, Are you willing to accept him today and become a believer? And you believe the gospel? Yes, sir, I do. I said, well, Let's pray together. I said, Bob, would you pray and ask Jesus to save you? And he said, Sure. Lord. I'm a sinner. I've broken your heart. I've broken the law. I've broken, I've I've missed the mark. I'm a sinner. Lord, I need to be saved. Would you save this old sinner? He prayed and said, Amen. I said, Glory to God. Hey, this is great. Bob said, Thank you for stopping by. I left and I was disappointed. Bob never smiled. Bob never said, boy, preacher, wow, whoo, wow, man. He never, nothing, nothing. Thank you for coming by. I appreciate it. I said, Bob, are you saved? Oh, yeah, I'm saved. I'll see you at church Sunday. Okay. I left. I said, man, I don't think he got in. I don't think he meant it. Bob was there on Sunday. Got baptized Sunday night. Bob was a faithful member of that church for 10 years until he died. Found him in the floor of his kitchen. I'm telling you right now, Bob had zero emotion. Like nothing. Like no tears, no no arms lifted, nothing. I mean, there was no emotional light that went on. There was nothing. But let me tell you something. By Bob's walk, Bob said, you know what, I'm going to be faithful. He was there Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night. Hey, he started getting involved. Bob, how you doing today? Good. I mean... Everything all right? Yeah, it's great. Just a man of very few words. Let me tell you something. One day we'll see Bob again. Because it's not an emotional experience. It's by you placing your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. It's not some light. See, Paul had this amazing experience on the road to Damascus, and that light shone from heaven. And and Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? I mean, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I mean, the light shone. And Paul knew, hey, it's time. Hey, he's done, spotted me out. He's done. And Paul was saved, and God just transformed a man right there. A few days later, he's preaching, and people's in fear. And I mean, Paul's radically transformed. But it's not always like that. Let me just say, real, genuine saving faith is more than one's profession. It's a practice. Deal Moody, a famous preacher in Boston and in Chicago and in England. Deal Moody was preaching, and a man who was a drunk supposedly got saved and came forward and they made it public, and this man got saved. Well. Mr. Moody announced it and everything was, you know, great. A few days later, he's walking down the street of Boston with another man and they they look over in one of the side alleys and there's that man that got saved a few days earlier, had a bottle to his lips, drunk. And the man looked at Mr. Moody and said, Mr. Moody, isn't that one of your converts over there? And Mr. Moody looked at him and said, Yeah, it must be one of my converts because it's surely not one of the Lord's converts. Oh, pastor, I, I, just, I think you're preaching a little bit more of us doing. No, no, no. James said that without our works, I mean, our, faith without works is dead. So our faith should produce good works. We're not working our way to heaven. We're not being good to have some kind of faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ transforms us. And we stop doing to be saved and we start doing because we're saved. You understand, it's a transformation that takes place in your heart. Will you turn with me 1 John chapter 2? We'll be done. 1 John chapter 2. And look with me in verse number 3. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 3. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth His word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. And he that saith, He abideth in Him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Good works are not the condition for receiving eternal life, but they are the evidence of the faith exercised in genuine faith in your heart. It will produce good works. Can I just say this? You should not have to beg a Christian to go to church Oh, yeah, we got a long weekend, Pastor. I'm all for you taking a vacation. I understand sickness, and this time of the year sickness is rampant. I understand that. But you should not have to stand on your head and do cartwheels down the aisle just to get somebody to come to church. It ought to be in your nature to gather with other believers and worship the King of Kings. You college students at Bob Jones, you don't go to church because it's fulfilling a duty. I'm a a student, so I have to go somewhere to mark off a box. I've been there. I had to do that. I had to fill out a report every Monday morning of my service. What a shame that we go to church somewhere in the area so that we can check a box off so my professor and my president and all them people won't get me. Listen, shame on you if that's your mentality. Shame. You should go to church because you love Jesus. You should go to church because you love the brethren. You should go to church because He's worthy of our worship. Let me tell you something, church members. You don't go to church to get the preacher off your back. You go to church to please the Father. Saved people want to go and gather. That's why COVID was so terrible. The worst thing about COVID was not the economy. It wasn't the politics. It wasn't corrupt cheating. It wasn't all the stuff that we see now. COVID was evil. COVID was ugly. And all the stuff that came with it. The worst thing about COVID was churches closed. And we were meant to gather together. We were meant to ascend. We understand the essentials of the church. And listen, we're paying for it dearly. Our young people are paying for it dearly. And we have a generation now that church is not that big of a deal to them. Let me say this. Church is a very big deal. It's a very big deal. 1 John chapter 3, real quick. Look with me in 1 John 3 verse 5. And ye know that ye, He was manifested to take away our sins and Him is no sin. Whoso abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Now this is not sinless perfection. Little children, let let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because... He is born of God. So many people have taken those verses out of context. I don't believe in sinless perfection. But I do believe there's a transformation that happens at salvation that causes us not to live in sin. He said in 1 John 1, 1.9 that if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin. When we do sin, we don't continue in sin. We ask forgiveness. Because we have a forgiving God. Faith brings the light to one's soul Continuing faith brings devotion to Christ that breaks the power of indwelling sin and strife. And by the way, sets us free. If you have a problem with pornography this morning, come to Jesus. He can set you free. You're in the bondage of of sexual sin. Hey, guess what? Give it to Jesus. He will make you free. Doesn't mean you're lost, but have you given it to Jesus? If you've got an addiction this morning of any sort, Have you tried Jesus? You're enslaved. And the only one that has the key to break the the chains of sin is Jesus. And if you're enslaved to religion this morning, He has the power to break the, the chains of religion, which may be the strongest chains. Get over yourself. Come to Jesus. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a sad you see, because you'll be sad you see. Don't be a scribe. Don't mock. Come to Jesus just as you are, and He'll take you just as you are. I love messages that makes us. I, I dealt with a man outside here, a good man, a faithful man, a member of this church for several years now, and I was actually shocked that he would approach me about it. But he said, "Preacher, after today's message." Chin quivering, I doubt my salvation. And I said, listen, a message like today is not to get you to doubt. It's to affirm. I don't want anybody to doubt unless there's something that's missing. I want you to make sure. But you understand, I don't preach messages. You all know I've been in John for a long time now. This is just the text and he's dealing with the genuine problem. The reason why you cannot be faithful. The reason why you cannot be victorious. The reason why you don't reflect salvation is because you just don't belong to him. Now you put that wherever you want to put it. I told you to be direct. But the saddest thing for me, listen to this, the saddest thing for me today will be this. And I said this in the earlier service, I'll say it to, right now. I want our church members to be in heaven. But sadly, there'll be some that'll go to hell. That's just the fact. I want my church, I want it to be a pure church, I want it to be a church that is saved. Let me just say this. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord. There's going to be some there that said, Preacher, or or, Jesus, didn't you see all the stuff that I did? And Jesus will look at them and say, Depart from me. But but, but Lord, I cast devils out. Lord, I gave tons of money to the church. Lord, I taught a Sunday school class. Lord, I, I did all these things. But He's going to say, the blood? Listen, let me tell you. Careers are not going to matter. All that money you're striving to make ain't going to matter. All the degrees that you're trying to earn, and I'm for you trying to get better and make money if you can and get degrees, and I, I'm for you. Listen, I want you to be successful. But all the things that we're working toward that we think matter can be done in one Second. That pastor, Jeff Waldrop, who I was with just this past weekend, he looked at me and said, Steve, everything that I thought was important when my daughter was dead ceased to be important to me anymore. Everything that I'd lived for for that girl, all the vacations, all the memories that I had, was the only thing that I cherished, and my wife, of course. But it ended one night. All the things that we think are so important in this world can be, James said, Life is a vapor, it appears for a little time, it vanisheth away. Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Live for today. You say, Pastor, I'm just going to maybe think about what you said today. Might get saved some other time. I'm doubting, but I'll talk to somebody later. No, 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 no. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of